In the book of Ruth, we find a story of rather ordinary people doing rather ordinary things in rather ordinary places. But in the midst of all the ordinary, we bear witness to the extraordinary because God is present and active through it all. That is the hope for all of us in this Advent season. Surely God is with us. This content comes from Mercy Village Church in Barbersville, West Virginia, and you can learn more at www.mercyvillage.church. On my wife's 21st birthday, she celebrated with her friends. Like any cool kid did back then at the Olive Garden, right? Big time. They celebrated together. Probably had only water and uh, soda, I would imagine. But within 24 hours of that celebration, she got the news that one of her dear friends had ended his own life. Right? Life is like that sometimes. Things that are heavy, things that are light, things that are good, things that are sad, back to back. Earlier this this year, one of our own found her father, passed on, then celebrated her birthday long after. We all have stories like this. Maybe not that level of uh, of drama or sadness or pain, but times in life where there's been both gladness and, and sadness. See, life is brutal and beautiful. Life is high and low. There is weeping and laughing. There is grief and gladness. And in all of that, we have to have the faith to believe what we're going to see as we close out the book of Ruth tonight. What we're going to see as we close out the book of Ruth tonight is this. Surely God is with us when everything is holly and jolly. It's easier to see that. It's easier to feel that. It's easier to know that. Until we get too holly and jolly, then maybe we grow apathetic. But but we, we understand that God is with us then. But surely God is with us when it isn't. Surely God is with us, right? And that's the Christmas season. The young ones in here might not get that yet. Christmas holidays are all fun, filled with joy. But those of us who have lived long enough know that the holidays bring with them things that fill us to the brim, to overflowing, and things that drain us right down to the dregs. Things that lift us up and things that knock us down. Grief and gladness, joy and sadness, hope and doubt. And it's the advent of Jesus that meets us right there in that tension. That tension between the things that are good and the things that are difficult. Because surely God is with us when everything is is holly and jolly. And surely God is with us when, when it isn't. So Father, tonight what we know not, please teach us. What we are not, please make us. And what we have not, please give us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Surely God is with us. Thank you in our loneliness. Think back on this story through the book of Ruth if you've been here with us. Think about Ruth at the graveside of Milan. Her husband, who has died, there she is alone at his graveside. No children. Naomi's lack of an acknowledgement of Ruth when they return to Bethlehem. Remember, they, Ruth gives her life to follow Naomi back to Bethlehem. And when they get there, Naomi doesn't even mention her. She just says, my life is bitter and and in despair. She doesn't even mention the fact that this woman has has given everything up to come with her. Ruth knows what it's like to be lonely. 
Imagine all the Moabite slurs that were tossed around in Bethlehem behind her back and in, in front of her face alone. But God was with her in her loneliness. His hesed, his loyal love, that Hebrew word for loyal love we've hit on time and time and time again. His loyal love, his hesed was, was enough for her. God was with her in her loneliness, but God is surely with us in our relationships too. Verse 13, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. He gives her a husband. Now that's not the answer to loneliness, by the way. Don't hear me equating that for you single women and single men in the room. This isn't how your loneliness gets cured. God had already given her somebody in her life, Naomi. Naomi had her weak spots during this, this uh, book that we've studied through, but overall Naomi was a dear friend to Ruth, a close companion. To Ruth. She was there with her. These are two key relationships. For Ruth, it was a mother-in-law and a husband. For you, it may be others, but God is with us in our loneliness and God is with us in our relationships. Surely God is with us in our barrenness. Naomi had no kids. They, she did have two boys, but they're, they're dead. They died. She's alone. No children, no husband. She's too old to conceive and have any more children. She's barren for the rest of her life. And Ruth is without a husband, and therefore she can't have children either. But some people speculate that the reason she didn't have any kids yet with, with Milan before he died is that maybe she's barren as well. But God is with us in our barrenness, and not just physical barrenness. What about the barrenness of the soul? The relationships that have dried up and, and gone cold. When we are barren in our souls, when we are barren in our, uh, our lives, empty. That's where Ruth and Naomi found themselves. God was with them in their barrenness, but surely God is with us in the birth of wonderful things. And He went into her, Boaz did, and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Ruth has a baby. There is a birth of something wonderful in her life. Now, that doesn't just have to be children. You've lived long enough. You've seen uh, barrenness, seasons of emptiness, seasons of brokenness, seasons of barrenness, met by seasons of new birth. Whether it's a new relationship that's born into your life, whether it's a new opportunity that comes along, you've seen wonderful things birth spiritually or mentally or relationally. And God is present in both. He's present in our barrenness and He is present in, our, uh, in the birth of new things. He's present in our hopelessness. Think about Naomi this whole time. She's been hopeless. She returned to Moab drained of hope. She said, call me, call me uh, Mora, which means bitter, because I left full, but I've come back empty. She came back drained of hope. Ruth comes back desperate and churning for hope, but she doesn't have any hope. Where is the hope? God's with them, even in their hopelessness. We saw it time and time again in this book of Ruth. And not only is God with us in our hopelessness, but He's with us in our redemption. Two sides of life, the ups and the downs. And then the woman, the women that are there in the city said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. And may His name be renowned in Israel. Redemption came. Not just for Ruth, but for Naomi. They're talking to Naomi. 
Ruth gets uh, the, a lot of the press, and as well she should. She's the one redeemed by uh, by a husband, Boaz. But Naomi gets her her land redeemed. She gets the family heritage redeemed. So she experiences that redemption. What have you seen redeemed this year? What in your life have you seen maybe brought back or or suffering that you've seen turned for good? Difficulty that you've seen turned for good. God is with us in our hopelessness and in our redemption. And surely God is with us in our loss. Naomi buried everyone in her family that she left uh, Bethlehem. She buried her two sons and she buried her husband. She was completely at a loss. She lost everything that was dear to her. All of it. Some of you have lost this year. Ruth lost too. She left the the homeland that she was used to. She left behind everything that she was familiar with. She lost. God is with us in our loss and surely God is with us in our sustainment. Verse 15, He shall be to you a restorer of life, a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. This is a promise that God will sustain her through what He has provided for her. Restoring, nourishing, and loving Said, notice this too. Ruth is worth more to her than seven sons. In a patriarchal society, which this was to the max, that is a huge, massive compliment. Don't hear, though, too, that she's saying that, that her sons have been replaced. Not a day goes by that Naomi doesn't mourn the loss of her sons. Not a day goes by that she doesn't feel the pain and the loss of her sons. But what the women are drawing her attention to is God has given you a daughter-in-law of the utmost value. The utmost worth. She has fought for you. She has worked for you. She has loved you with loyal love that comes only from God. God is with us. He sustains us. And lastly, God is with us in our depression. Naomi has wrecked this whole story. At least the first two chapters, she is absolutely wrecked. She's lifeless. Her life has stolen the life out of life. She doesn't want to get up in the morning. doesn't want to move forward with life. And Ruth, by God's grace, is in a season of not being absolutely wrecked by depression, although she has plenty of reasons to be. By God's grace, she's able to get up in the morning. By God's grace, she's able to work on behalf of Naomi, but Naomi is is depressed. Ruth sits with her. Ruth holds on to her. Ruth fights for her and shows her the hesed that comes from God. And now watch this. Naomi took the child, this new baby that has been born to Ruth, and she laid him on her lap and became his nurse. Her arms were empty. Now she clutches a grandson and holds her or holds him close to her. She left she had come back empty. Now her arms are full. She becomes his nanny. Imagine Ruth. Hey mom, can you watch the boy while I go take Boaz some food in the field? Who would have imagined that 
God would do. So God is with us in our loneliness and with us in our relationships. God is with us in our barrenness and He is with us in the birth of wonderful things. God is with us in our hopelessness and He is with us in our redemption. God is with us in our loss and He is with us in our sustainment. He is with us in our depression and He is with us when light breaks through. And all of this happens in this story in the ordinary. The day-to-day living of life in the ordinary, surely God is with us. The highs and the lows, surely God is with us. And it comes to bear in this cast of real-life characters in the book of, of Ruth. Because God is with us through the Hesed, the loyal love of His kids. God's love manifests itself to each and every one of us who are the children of God as the children of God around us manifest that love to each and every one of us. In the book of Ruth, He's manifested it to widows and through widows. He's manifested it to single women and through single women. He's manifested it to business owners and through business owners. He's he's manifested it to young marrieds and families and through young marrieds and families. He's manifested it to those who were born and raised in Bethlehem. Those who had the pedigree. And He's manifested it to those from out of town. Those who were, were scorned by those in the community. He's manifested it through them too. Pouring it into them and, and out of them. We saw this most prolifically in, in, in the life of Ruth. We also saw it in Naomi. We saw it in Boaz. And now there is a fourth character that comes on the scene. The women of the neighborhood gave him a name. This is Ruth's baby. They gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi and they named him Obed. Behold, Bethlehem's baby boy. Born in Bethlehem to a woman from out of town, Obed. The great, 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 great grandson of the widow Tamar. The foreign Canaanite who had been brought in by God's mercy to the family rejected by those who should have loved her, but still loved by God regardless. Obed, the grandson of Rahab, the woman of the night from Jericho, brought into the family of God by grace and mercy alone. Obed, the son of Ruth, the widowed and redeemed Moabite, daughter-in-law to the widow and impoverished Naomi. Obed, the multi-ethnic child that would have been called a mixed breed behind his back by people in the town. Obed, who would have felt in the back of his head the idea that maybe he was plan B, right? His mom had married Milan first. That was her plan for happiness. Boaz was just a second chance. Maybe he's just plan B. But Obed, he's got royal blood in his back. Obed was the father of Jesse, the father of David, the greatest earthly king to ever reign in Israel. God brings about wonderful things in the way that He pleases. How beautiful is that? God is with us 
redeeming our loneliness, redeeming our barrenness, redeeming our hopelessness, redeeming our loss, redeeming our depression, all for His glory and for our good. That's what He does. And we might not see it today. It might not feel like it today. It might not feel like it tomorrow. But it's happening. Hear me, Naomi never saw King David sit on the throne. She had no idea. She dies before any of that happens. It's highly likely that Boaz and Ruth never saw it either. Obed might not have even saw it happen. They didn't know that there was royal blood in their veins, never knowing that he would, uh, they would have a king come from their line. All they had was the ordinary day-to-day ins and outs of life, and they had a promise. A promise given to them in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned that said God would send someone who would crush the head of the serpent. That was the promise that they claimed. That God was at work in mysterious ways and, and all they needed to do was trust Him, believe Him, and walk with Him. And there was joy and life and promise there. And so they did. God worked out the details. They didn't see all of it. Unseen to them, David would come. And with David would come the promise of an eternal throne. Remember, in 2 Samuel, God promises, David, a son of yours will sit on the throne forever. A promise. Now they've got two promises. The people of God do. A promise of someone to crush the head of the serpent. promise of an eternal king. But David wasn't it. He dies and he never sees it. Solomon takes the throne. He's rich and he's wise, but he ain't it either. He fails. After him comes Rehoboam and he's a train wreck. So is Abijam. So is, and then Asa and Jehoshaphat become uh, king and they're good. But they're not the promised one. There's eight kings after them and they're all a mixed bag of terrible. None of them are the promised one. Then you get, uh, you get Hezekiah. He's a great king, but he's not the promised one. He doesn't have an eternal reign. And you get Manasseh and Amon, they're duds. Terrible, evil men. Then Josiah. And Josiah was a good king. If anybody's the promised one, it's got to be Josiah, right? No king had sat on the throne like him since David. Nope. Wasn't the one. And four kings later, the throne is completely obliterated. There's There's not even a throne to sit on, let alone a son of David to sit on it. What about the promise? Where's the snake crusher? Where's the king of kings? Where's the Lord of lords? Where's the eternal throne dweller? Watch this. Final verses of Ruth. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Abinadab. Abinadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. Jesse fathered David. Have you seen those names before? Maybe. Do they ring a bell? You saw them in Luke chapter 3, and in Matthew chapter 1, because this is the genealogy of Jesus. Did you know that? This is the genealogy of Jesus, baby boy number two, to be born in Bethlehem. When another young lady from out of town would travel into Bethlehem with scorn, being tossed around about her, rumors whispered in the dark about her. Here she came. Under the wings of Yahweh, just like Ruth, clinging to nothing but a promise. 
humbling herself to be a vessel of loyal love to others in the face of difficulty, in the face of backhanded insults and rumors. Mary says, let it be according to your will. And in doing so, she says something a lot like what Ruth said. God, wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you dwell, I'll dwell. Your people will be my people, right? And you are my God forever. Don't rush past it. Do you see Mary tonight? Under the stars, Bethlehem. There's hay there too. There's some barley there too. She's come in from out of town too. She's with child too and she will push the King of Kings and Lord of Lords into the world that night. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You see, God's inspired purpose for the book of Ruth is yes, to show us what it looks like to live in loyal love. We learn that from Ruth. We learn that from Boaz. We learn that from Naomi. But his main purpose is to point past them to Jesus. Because without Jesus, we have no hope of living in loyal love. But Jesus came, the second baby boy born in Bethlehem. The increase of his peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. And this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That eternal king born in Bethlehem. Not to Ruth, but to Mary. It wasn't Obed, it wasn't Boaz, it wasn't David, it wasn't any of those kings. It was Jesus. Ruth points us to Jesus. See, Ruth and Naomi and Boaz can't transform your life. Jesus can. Bethlehem's baby boy number one, Obed, was a blessing for sure. But Bethlehem's baby boy number two was loyal love with skin on. The Son of God. He alone can transform us into people who have both experienced the loyal love of God and embody the loyal love of God. So we close with this verse. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Here's the, the truth about Christmas. The reason Christmas is such good news because Christmas is about 30 years before Good Friday. When Jesus, that baby boy, would grow up and die on the cross for your sins and my sins. Like the prophet Isaiah said, the wrath of God against sin would be poured out on Jesus on behalf of sinners like me and sinners like you. So that we could have our sins forgiven. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Your payment has been made by Jesus. Trust Him today. And child of God, it's Christmas time. I'm done, right? Thank God it's over. Kids are finally quiet now that I'm done. Thanks a lot, guys. The joy of tonight, whatever you all go out and do after this, you go home and do after this. The joy of tomorrow, 
the laughter. These are just glimmers of this reality that surely God is with us regardless of anything. And the painful parts of the next few days that exist for some of us, they cannot steal away the promises of God. They cannot steal away the reality that surely God is with us in it all. Just like Naomi was given Obed to hold when her arms were empty, Jesus is yours to hold when your arms are empty. You can cling to Him. And when you feel alone like Ruth did, Jesus' His nail-scarred hands hold on to you. That's the promise of the Gospel. That's what Ruth points us to. And when you smile and rejoice in the coming days, He smiles right along with you. Working all your pains and, and all your praises for His glory is your joy. Might we know that in the depth of our souls this Christmas. But surely God is with us when everything is holly and jolly and surely God is with us when it isn't. And that baby boy in the manger, Jesus, seals that reality for us. Let's pray. Father, the message I just proclaimed is way better than I proclaimed it. It always will be. There's, but there's no better message to be proclaimed. There's no better message. There's better messengers. There ain't a better message. And I pray that those who feel alone tonight will feel your presence. That those who are barren tonight will feel your presence. That those who are weak and, and alone and hurting, those who have experienced loss will know your presence. You were with them. Those of us who are about to move into times of joy and, and gain and, and redemption and uh, the birth of new things, that we will know your presence in those times too. You are with us. And that's a reality that changes everything. Give us faith to believe it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe to this feed wherever you listen to podcasts. We exist to experience and embody redemption and renewal in Christ alone. And we'd love for you to experience what God is doing as Jesus builds Mercy Village Church. Connect with us online at www.mercyvillage.church.